0: Welcome, beautiful people, to Growthology Podcast. I'm Lorena, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist that is very interested in the science behind all things well-being and growth.
1: And I am Monica. I'm a working mom, a wife, currently a college student, and I'm just an everyday person who's trying to live a happy and healthy life. In our podcast, we discuss topics like personal growth, wellness, Mindfulness and emotional intelligence, and hopes to grow a community of positivity.
0: Hello, beautiful people. Today, we're going to talk about grief and loss. This is going to be a little bit on the shorter side of an episode. It's going to be pretty straightforward. We're going to focus on the definition of grief morning and bereavement. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the DSM criteria to diagnose someone with a grief disorder and what are some ways to cope and help others cope with loss.
1: With everything going on right now, especially with the pandemic and just life, people are passing away, people are losing jobs, people are losing their homes. I see a lot of people hurting right now and all of this is normal to be going through in this type of circumstance. So I think this topic is extremely important for us to discuss because everybody is mourning or going through some kind of life transition. Or if we're not doing it, then I'm sure we know somebody that is because we all know people that have been affected by the pandemic. So I've been fortunate that I haven't lost anybody that I'm close with on a day to day, but. Grieving is beyond just that. So, Lorena?
0: So the definition of grief is defined as a natural response to loss, emotional suffering that we feel when something or someone we love is taken away. So when we think of grief, a lot of the times we just think of our loved ones passing away. But we can experience grief with objects, things, experiences as well. Many times the pain we feel can be really overwhelming and extremely difficult to cope with. When we think of grief, like I said, we think of losing a loved one. But we can also grieve other losses like a divorce, ended relationships, issues with our health, losing a job, having a going through a miscarriage, retirement, and basically any other major life event.
1: So this is interesting because... I hadn't really seen it beyond losing somebody personally, and it wasn't until we went through this episode that I actually correlated that it can be pretty much any situation, uh, depending on what that loss is, but it's the loss itself. Does that sound, that sounds right?
0: Yeah, yep. And then for the intro, I mentioned that there's some other words. There's grief, mourning, and bereavement. So grief is a person's emotional response to the loss that they've experienced. Mourning Mm -hmm. is the actual process of adapting to life after a loss. So it's influenced by each person's society, culture, religion, their upbringing, like Catholic people will mourn by wearing. Usually, they'll mourn by wearing black uh, clothes for a while. I'm not sure the amount of time, but I know that it could be like up to a year. So that's that's the way that they would mourn. Um, I know that other cultures mourn in extremely different ways, where they celebrate the person that has passed, and they have parties and gatherings, and they come together. So each it, it could be it could look completely different depending on culture and whatever it is that you follow in terms of the mourning process and then bereavement is the actual state of having experienced a loss
1: for bereavement would that be in the past so you've experienced can you use this in a sentence
0: (laughs) yeah so if you were providing support to somebody that has lost a loved one you would say I'll provide support for the bereaved by sending them flowers by helping them with child care so it's kind of like the actual person that has experienced the loss okay does that make sense
1: now it makes sense yeah. <laughs> uh, you know big words you gotta break it down for me <laughs> when I was 13 or 14 my family moved to a new city and that w- that experience was super hard on me. And that's what caused me to start having really dark childhood depression. And in my mind, I don't think I considered it grieving or mourning. Uh, but now kind of being more mature and definitely starting this discussion, I think I would relate that more to grief and mourning than I would anything else.
0: Yeah, so basically you were grieving that life that you left behind. Mm -hmm. from the city that you moved from right because that's a pretty big loss you basically lost your friends the school you were going to your routine completely changed
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it it was a pretty common thing to move around a lot Mm -hmm. being the weird new kid was (laughs) me oh my gosh
0: yeah so I guess I went through the same thing when I moved here when I was nine from South America, so I didn't even know English when I got mm-hmm. here, so I definitely right. feel that being the the weird kid that's like speaking a different language
1: <laughs> right, And that's especially hard with language barriers, like you're saying, and then how was that cultural shift too?
0: The culture, I think was only different, I think in school was the most shocking. Like, the way that the kids interacted with the teachers and vice versa. In South America, you respect the teachers, I think, a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no, like, talking back or really, like, misbehaving in the classroom. Like, you just mm-hmm. don't do that. So the, that was shocking to me when I moved here. And I would see kids kind of, like, doing whatever they wanted or speaking to the teacher in a certain way or not calling them by their given name. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was kind of shocking and just... Also, like, not wearing uniforms is that I would wear a uniform. So then that was kind of... I would get bullied because I would wear the same clothes too Mm -hmm. often. And people would notice that. And then I'm like, dang, I miss my uniform.
1: (laughs) You know, that's really funny because my family... I I went to a new school, and this school didn't require uniforms, but my parents still had me wear it because they bought it. So I was showing up to school in uniform. (laughs) This is the story of my life. (laughs) That's dramatic, Monica. Yeah. (laughs) So you say that reminds me of those days, like I was still going to school in uniform. (laughs) But, you know, like my (laughs) my parents shopped at Goodwill. Like you just, we did what we had to. Was close. <laughs> That's oh, so funny. The things our parents did <laughs> that torment us as adults. Good times.
0: Good times. Um. So there's a lot of misconceptions about grief. I mean, we already talked about the one where a lot of us think that it's just about people dying, but it could really be about other types of losses. So there's some, I'm going to talk about some myths and facts that were identified by helpguide.org that I thought were really good because I've heard of these a lot and I've heard about, I mean, I've felt these myself as well. Mm -hmm. So the myth is the pain that we say the pain will go away faster if we just ignore it. But the fact is trying to ignore the pain will only worsen it with time because it's part of the process to allow ourselves to heal and deal with our feelings. And of course, pain is part of that. So mm-hmm. we, we need to allow ourselves to feel that and not try to ignore it and say, well, if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away faster because then it's, it ends up being the opposite.
1: Mhm and that's when people tend to turn to things that aren't necessarily healthy, right? Is yeah. when they're trying to avoid those pains.
0: Right, by dr- drinking or using drugs or shopping or overeating or binge eating, like all those things mm-hmm. that we think will make us feel better.
1: Right. And it can be anything. Yeah. I think to be like being young and not really knowing A lot about mental health is that unhealthy coping can be done in any form and even people that are like excessive (laughs) about like the gym and that's an unhealthy like that that could be something that could be unhealthy even though it can be received as something that isn't healthy but it's what is it that you're avoiding
0: Yeah, anything could be taken too far, even healthy Mm -hmm. things. like If they start getting in the way of of your day-to-day life or you're overdoing it and feeling sick because of it, then it's no longer a healthy coping skill. If you're becoming so addicted to it, it's having negative effects on you. Uh, Another myth is it's important to be strong in the face of loss. And the fact is feeling sad, anxious or scared is completely normal and it does not indicate weakness.
1: So I like this one because I think that when I see myself getting anxious or really sad, I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, am I weak?" But that's not true at all.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think now we're getting better at normalizing like it's okay to feel feelings. Mm-hmm. It doesn't right. mean that we're weak or there's something wrong with us. And I think the, the more we talk about it, the healthier we're even, we're, even, we're able to be even more healthier.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Um, myth, if you don't cry, it means you're not sorry about the loss. Fact is we all cope differently and express our emotions in a different way. Now, this one, I kind of, I've seen a lot where I hear someone judging someone for not crying and i hear them say like oh they didn't even cry i don't know how they could do that and they they kind of judge them and they're like well they must not be as sad as we are because you know i've been crying all day and i haven't seen mm-hmm. them cry once but right. we all grieve in a different way
1: yeah so just because you don't cry that doesn't mean you're a serial serial killer right. yeah. <laughs> or that because you don't have, have any, any empathy yeah <laughs>
0: Another myth is moving on with life means that I'm forgetting about the loss that I've just had. And the fact is moving on can be a way that we have accepted the loss and it's not the same thing as forgetting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us think like we need to kind of live in punishment or a a, a lot of people experience something called survivor's guilt. Mm, Where they make people yeah. feel guilty that they're not the one that passed away. And they'll say things like it should have been me or there's some type of regret going on. But just because we go through the grief process and we get better at dealing with it doesn't mean we are forgetting the person or we no longer care.
1: Right. So I have another question. If everybody has different ways of coping with things, like you said, some people cry, some people don't cry. Some people use other ways to just get through it. I know like some people are more physically active when they're grieving um, because they need to do something. What kind of what is that line of healthy and unhealthy reactions? And is it just like being more self-aware and knowing like, okay, this is an unhealthy thing? How do we know?
0: So I'm actually going to talk about that. And when I talk about the DSM, which is the the manual that therapists use to diagnose patients, um, mm-hmm. and there's, there's something called Specified Trauma and Stressor-Related Disorder, PCBD for short, um, which is like a persistent complex bereavement disorder. Um, mm-hmm. And this is when somebody has kind of gone into the, I would say like the unhealthy type of grief where it's affecting them pretty intensely in other areas of their life. So I'll go into detail in, in a little bit about what that looks like exactly. Okay. Okay. I quickly wanted to talk about the five stages of grief that were introduced by a psychiatrist in back in 1969, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. This doesn't mean that everybody goes through these stages. It doesn't mean that they are necessarily all in order. This is just kind of like a kind of like a guide of some things that we might go through after we lose someone so it's five stages denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance denial is that first step where we hear that someone has passed away and we have that thought of this can't be happening this can't be real basically the i i don't believe this Then the anger is feeling angry that this has happened. Ask, why is this happening? Maybe finding someone to blame. Then there's bargaining, which a a lot of the times when there's kind of like unnatural deaths, this happens a lot. So like a mother losing their child, that's an Mm -hmm. unnatural way of dying. That You know, that's not the norm. The older Mm -hmm. person should pass away before Mm -hmm. their child. So this parent might... You know, if they're religious, they might say, like, God, you should take me instead. Please. Basically bargaining for something else to happen instead.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Then
0: the fourth Mm -hmm. one is depression. It's like uh, people might be too sad to do anything. They feel like they can't function properly properly in their day-to-day life. And then the last stage would be acceptance. So accepting the loss. Like I said, this doesn't mean that the loss isn't painful anymore, but you have accepted that this person has passed away or accepted that something has ended and you can be kind of at peace with what has happened.
1: The order can be mixed around a little bit Mm -hmm. and the severity of each can kind of shift too.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And, you know, some might, like, you might be angry for months, Mm-hmm. And then you might never do the bargaining stage, or you might feel like you've reached acceptance, and then you kind of go back to to another stage. Mm-hmm. This is like a pretty like I don't want to say this is like set in stone, basically. Right, but it's just kind of like a guideline of the, something that we could feel commonly feel,
1: mm-hmm. but it doesn't
0: mean that it's always gonna be the case.
1: I had a friend in high school that she told me something like this, like, oh, there's like five stages to grieving. And she explained all of them to me. And I was wow. just, you know, being
0: That's pretty s- like uh, <laughs> an advanced fifth
1: grader. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it might have been high school, but <laughs> but she explained all of this to me. And I remember I was thinking, like, what part am I in my depression? <laughs> <laughs> What stage am I at with my life frustrations? You're like, like, oh,
0: I feel like I'm stuck on number four,
1: the depression one. (laughs) Which is exactly how I thought of it.
0: Like, I don't feel anything else but depressed. Hmm.
1: I'm stuck in this phase. How long was this one?
0: (laughs) So in the latest DSM, which we're on five right now, under... Other specified trauma and stressor related disorder is, like I mentioned, PCBD, which is Persistent Complex Bereavement Disorder. So, this is given to someone that has presentations in their mood and in their, which their presentations cause clinically significant distress or any type of impairment in either social, occupational so their job or school or any other important areas of functioning that that they predominate but do not meet the full criteria for any other disorder in the trauma and stressor related disorders like not diagnostic class i know this is a mouthful mm-hmm. so this condition is under the conditions for further section of study in the dsm the proposed criteria for pcbd I mean, I'm not going to go through all of the criteria, but it's basically if certain symptoms last at least 12 months after the death of an adult or six months for bereaved children that have had a significant loss. If they feel Mm. these array of symptoms after six months of the death.
1: So that's interesting that the children, I guess, grieving time is six months shorter than would be expected of an adult.
0: Well, it's not the grieving. Well, yeah, so I'm not sure why that is or why they picked that, but I'm guessing it's because for kids, things feel way longer. Mm-hmm. Six months for kid. like, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, Mm-hmm. how like a month <laughs> felt like a dang
1: an year. eternity yeah
0: <laughs> or even weeks I, I they would feel so mm-hmm. long and now it's like with a blink of an eye it's the end of the year mm-hmm. so I mean I, and that's just me guessing that's not that's not fact I'm just I'm guessing right. that's the reason but I don't really know why mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna read some of the criteria because it's, it's a lot and I just don't think it would be beneficial for everyone to listen to all the, di- the criteria. But, but some of the things that we might feel if we get into the territory of BCBD would be preoccupation with the deceased, preoccupation with circumstances of their death, persistent yearning or longing for the deceased, bitterness or anger related to the loss, maladaptive thinking about oneself like s- blaming oneself excessive avoidance avoidance of reminders of the loss a desire mm-hmm. to die so that you compete with a deceased uh, difficulty trusting other people since the death occurred feeling alone or detached from other people and difficulty or reluctance to pur- pursue interests since the loss and there's several other criteria so basically if you if you meet I, so there's a list, and if you meet at least a, a certain number of them, if it's after a year for an adults or after six months for children, then you would be diagnosed with PCBD.
1: Could a symptom be superstitious? Because some people have weird superstitions about, like, death, and people yeah. – could that be considered a symptom depending on, like, how, I guess – reoccurring it is like if it's like oh i don't want to be around this because it was their object or like they idolize that object could that be a form of a symptom
0: i don't think it's quite written out as one but i i guess that could fall under like the maladaptive thinking
1: Mm -hmm. symptom so
0: it doesn't say anything about superstitious beliefs but if that is something that someone is basically going towards the line of obsession over it, then Mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that that could be one. Yeah. Yeah. Like preoccupation. I guess it it could be preoccupation with the deceased as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
0: Or the circumstances of the death.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So right now, like I mentioned in the beginning, unfortunately I know people that are currently grieving at this time. What's something that I can do to help if I see somebody's going through that, or how can I be that good support line if it's not necessarily us going through it?
0: Yeah, so I think, and they, this is always uh, like a little bit awkward. It's like we never know what to say mm-hmm. or what the right things to say, and it's an uncomfortable topic because it's kind of one of the taboo topics. I feel like, mm-hmm. but the main thing is to just provide support to them and you know what you say i wouldn't say is as important as what you do so show your support and show that you care by your actions uh not so much by what you're going to say to them because words are not going to really make a difference in the moment to them Mm -hmm. you know it's um i i don't think it's going to provide as much comfort for us actually doing something and helping them out. Well, I know uh, common things are like sending them food to help because when you're grieving, it's hard to get things done. Uh mm-hmm. and you're preoccupied, you're busy with a lot of things. You know, you could send flowers, you can send cards to let them know that you're thinking of them. Just offer support. You can just ask like, "Hey, what do you need from me? How can I help? I'm here if you need anything." If it's somebody that has children, if you're able to help with child care, if you feel like the person needs some time, you know, on their own, offer to take their kids out, helping them with household chores, just doing things around the house like laundry, cleaning, dishes, offering transportation if they don't have it or don't feel like driving or something like that. Also, normalizing just life and talking about everyday life as well, not just the loss. So they're not bringing it up 24-7. Don't feel like you need to bring it up all the time and talk about it. So Mm -hmm. also also helping just distract the person. Be patient and understanding that everyone's loss and the way that they grieve is different. So be patient if they're moody or they're snappy. That might just be how they're feeling at that moment and if you feel or you see that it's lasting too long or they're not getting up or not going to work or something like that you could always encourage professional help if you are close to that person and you feel comfortable saying those things to them
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and some people it takes a long time to get through grieving I think Somebody that that I've known, it's been at least a few years, and I can tell it's still a sensitive topic for them. Yeah. Would so the best advice would be, or the best thing approach would be to say to encourage them to get professional help.
0: Yeah, if you feel like it's really getting in the way of just like their day to day life, mm-hmm. or and, and you if you feel comfortable, if you're close to them, and you're you don't think it's gonna upset them even more. But, you know, sometimes people are, will cry every time they talk about a, lost, a loss that they've mm-hmm. had years. Like it could be five years, it could be 10 years, and they will still yeah. cry when they talk about that person. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go to therapy if that's the emotional response they get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, it's going to look differently for everybody.
1: Okay, so just because you see that there is a high emotion associated with it as a response, that doesn't mean that they're not in a different stage of it or have accepted it. It's hard to tell from the outside. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, if it's someone that's not going to work, signs of depression, then you could still Mm -hmm. say encourage it if you feel comfortable and you're close to that person and you have, you know, good rapport and um, a good relationship with them.
1: I think. At one point, I remember asking my doctor, like, is this something wrong? Like, does this mean that something's wrong with me? Or that, you know, that I'm doing something wrong? And one of the first things that that, well, the best things that they could say is, what do you think? Do you do you think that this is impacting your work? Do you think that what would you define a healthy ex, you know, Um, like a healthy relationship, for example, like, am I unhealthy in my relationship? So it's like, well, what would you define a healthy relationship as? And is your acts causing issues in your financial life and your and your work life and things like that? And that was a really interesting perspective because I think if we don't fit this like cookie cutter uh, societal expectation of what our lives should be, then sometimes we think that something's wrong. Right. But that isn't necessarily true we can redefine things for ourselves and it could be completely different than you know maybe what our parents taught us or what we were raised thinking but that doesn't mean that something's necessarily wrong right it's it's just what what can you define as healthy and how far are you from that and is it interfering with your daily life and what you have to accomplish in the world
0: Mm -hmm, exactly i also wanted to talk about and i know we just talked about how to help someone with grief but i also want to talk about some ways that we can cope with grief ourselves with grief and loss Mm -hmm. ourselves if we're the ones going through it so knowing that the pain is not going to feel the same forever time will help the healing process and that doesn't mean that You're not going to be sad when you think about the person or you're never going to feel sad, but it's not going to be persistent as persistent and as strong that pain as it is when it first happens. It's Mm -hmm. important to be gentle with yourself and allow yourself time to heal. Like I talked about before, not trying to cope with things that are unhealthy, like alcohol or drugs or any other ways to try to drown those feelings. But allow yourself to feel what you need to feel in that moment and be patient with yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Although there are stages of grief, like I said before, they're not linear or always in order. And it doesn't mean you're going to go through all of the stages either. It's okay and completely normal to go backtrack or go back and forth. Even after you've been feeling okay for a while, you might all of a sudden kind of go back to a stage that's more difficult to deal with. And, And kind of similar to depression, as much as we might want to stay isolated in the moment and, you know, not be bothered or be around people, this is... Just like depression, this is a really important time to connect with people, especially those that know what you're going through and can identify with it. So, you know, if it's a brother, another sibling, or if it's a grandma, a grandmother that you've lost, you know, be around the grandchildren if you're a grandchild as well, because they they had the same relationship or a similar relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. you can also create memories and sort of like rituals like a book a scrapbook an album or anything to remember and commemorate your loved one I've actually gotten a lot of ideas from my own patients that I see and things that they do I had someone recently they lost a, a child and they got together I think it was I don't remember what year anniversary it was but they got together with their entire family and wrote messages on balloons and then let them go and you know mm-hmm. she she like mild about it she she thought it was so nice and that's something that they do every year
1: that's beautiful yeah
0: so you can get you know really creative and do something with the family mm-hmm Ask for help. Seek spiritual support if that's something that you find helpful for you. Use your friends and family. There's a lot of grief support groups all over the place like if you just google one near where you live you will find them they're everywhere and then if you feel like you need it go to therapy and talk about it acknowledging and accepting that people may feel awkward like I said before and not know what to say to support you so kind of be prepared for making people uncomfortable when you tell them that you've lost someone because that's just a really common thing that's probably going to happen I think also planning ahead for triggers. So if you know that the the anniversary is coming up or if you know that the person that you lost their birthday is coming up, kind of prepare for it and plan ahead. Don't just wait till like the day before when you're having like a meltdown or the day of and you don't know what to do to do with yourself. If you feel like you're still struggling, maybe take that day off from work or, or do mm-hmm. something special. Because it's it's better to be prepared than to be caught off guard and then not really know what to do with yourself that day. Yeah. And then also look after your physical health. Don't let that kind of fall by the wayside because that's going to make you feel worse if you do that too. So, Monica, I know that you have, you've mentioned that you haven't lost a significant person in your life but have you experienced like close friends or family losing someone and how was that experience and were you able to be a sort of support to them or like did they ask for your support or anything like that?
1: So I think the most predominant loss in my life was my grandmother, and I've lost both of my grandmothers, but my grandmother on my mom's side is the one that was really a part of my life, and I would see her weekly, and that one was was really hard, but it was more hard for my mother. And then uh, a few years ago, she also had lost her older sister. So I think when she was going through that grief of my grandmother passing, I was very young and not really as helpful. But when the next time for my aunt who passed away, I was definitely more supportive and I took time. And I drove to where my my aunt is, and she was in a different part of Arizona. So just providing that support more for my mother to make sure that she has someone to talk to and that she just knows that I'm there for her. I think that's really the only thing that I could have done for her. Mm -hmm. But even now, I know that that spoke a lot of volumes to her. That I took time and I drove out there just to make sure that she is okay. So that's really the only story that I have to share.
0: <laughs> I think that we we probably have all either if we haven't experienced it ourselves. It's going to mm-hmm. happen eventually. It's part of life. So I think it's good yeah. that we talk about it. And I hope that people do talk about it more because it's one of those uncomfortable topics but it's something that can be avoided so I think it's good Mm -hmm. to be as prepared as we can be I mean we can never be prepared Mm -hmm. for a loss but at least knowing things that might be helpful or not helpful to us
1: I think that there's select people in my very close circle that I feel like if they were to no longer be a part of my life that would be a drastic life change and a drastic impact on me and like even thinking about that because I have thought about that like oh my gosh that would be the worst thing ever so I really can't imagine what people are going through and I'm happy that we've talked about this so I'm a little bit more aware but yeah, that's it's something that's very difficult. And I think a lot of people are feeling right now.
0: I hope you beautiful people found this episode helpful. It was on the shorter side, but I hope that what we decided to include in the episode was had some sort of value to you now or in the future. I want to mention one resource that is a disaster distress helpline. So if someone is struggling with grief, you can call 1-800-985-5990. And if you need to, to speak to somebody in Spanish, you can press 2.
1: And stay growing. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Just look up at growthologypodcast, no space.